This is the Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 206. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing never better, and this is the show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much, and we discuss the artist and tools that the artist needs, and sometimes we do reviews of tools, and sometimes we interview artists. So what are we doing today, Lisa? Today we are talking about some of our personal must-have items for colored pencil art. Yeah, you know, this is something that comes up quite frequently and you don't really, sometimes you just start taking tools for granted and you're like, oh yeah, that's there, this is here, and yep, good to go. Um, But once in a while, I know um, some of our listeners would like to know what it is that we think are the necessary tools. So the reason that this subject came up, I mean, we, we talk about our supplies pretty often that we right. use. There can't be that much new, but I actually have found something new to me. Some of you guys may have been using it all this time and think it's weird I haven't been, but it is amazing. That's going to be last uh, the last one that I share on my list today. But the first supply that is a must-have for me is glassine. This is that it's kind of like wax paper. You I tape it to my drawing board so that my hand rests on it while I'm working, and this keeps the oils from my skin off my artwork. It's semi-translucent, so I can still kind of see what it's covering. It's just easy to position. And nothing will stick to it. It's archival, so I can leave my artwork covered with this to protect it, whether it's while I'm traveling from one location to another, if I'm drawing something, or for storage. And because nothing will stick to it, that is (coughs) good. Sorry. Because nothing will stick to it, that's going to keep, if you get like a little nugget of colored pencil on your work or on your 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 paper, it's not going to pick that up and smudge it like using tracing paper sometimes can. Because tracing paper is an option. I mean, that's better than nothing, but your oils do, the oils from your skin can, if you use a lot of hand lotion or if your hands are just oily, it can kind of soak into the tracing paper. So while it's better than just resting your hand straight on the paper, your artwork, the glassine is definitely, I think, the best, safest way to go to protect your artwork just all around, whether it be for travel, for storage, or to keep your hands from smudging anything or getting the oils from your skin on it. Yeah, glassine is another uh, good one that I also use as well, uh, just because you may think that you have dry hands and that your hands are not oily or anything like that. You're not seeing it. You can't always see it. And so it can uh, damage your paper or your support that you're using. It's also good for just protecting your work as well. Glad you brought that one up. Yeah, that's one I take for granted, and it's very uh, fairly inexpensive. So you can just grab a whole bunch of it at one time, and it's the best way to do it. It's more economical to get a large roll. Okay, I love that one. Um, something that I I just noticed, I just glanced over at the easel, and it's something that I use all the time, and I do often take it for granted. And then in the academy, if I, I'm uh, using it, and I'll have sometimes people will ask something about it, and I forget to bring it up. 
and that is Sticky Putty. I use this white archival alkaline sticky putty. I use the museum type of putty. There's uh, several different types of the alkaline uh, putty, but that one is so good. It it's use I, I use it just a little bit differently than I do a kneaded eraser. A kneaded eraser is very good for picking up some small little areas where you've got a little bit too much pigment gathered in one spot, but it's not going to get it real clean. And if you're wanting to uh, use something more like an eraser and not just sort of removing some of the topical surface of what you're working on, uh, like a kneaded eraser will do, then the sticky putty is a very good solution for that. And so that's typically what I'm using that for. Uh, and like Lisa, I've got a couple of things that I've not ever mentioned before that I've been using lately as well. And I'll talk about those in a minute. Do you use sticky putty, Lisa? I have some. I yeah. rarely think to get it out. Yeah. That's just honestly an issue <laughs> right. of being lazy. I even know where it's located, but it's, you know, high and I have to reach. Yeah. Reaching's yeah. hard. So um, I've not played around with it too much. I need to. I think after listening to you talk about it, maybe I need to go ahead and break that stuff out. Yeah, now, talking about it. erasers, one of my favorites, this is a must, must have for me, is the Faber-Castell Perfection Eraser Pencil. And this one, it's more like an ink eraser and it's going to lift a little bit more. No, I don't use it to try to get the paper back to white. It's not going to do that. But sometimes if I get the pigment built up just a little too heavily in an area and I need to go over it with a different color or adjust something, I can remove enough of the pencil. You've got to be careful because this being an ink eraser, it can damage your, the tooth of your paper. So watch that. I use a light hand with it, but I can lift enough of the pigment that I can get new pigment in its location. And that has saved me so many times. Yeah. So that one, that one uh, is sort of a, a stiff, like a, a hard eraser, right? Is that what yes. that is? Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah. your ink eraser where it's kind of gritty. Yeah. So you you yeah. do have to be careful not to damage your paper with it. But it, like, I used to use electric erasers a lot and I don't use those so much anymore. I generally go with this one because I find I can get better results with lifting some, have a little bit more control and it lifts more. Whereas when I was using the electric erasers, I was having it just kind of smudge and gum up a little bit. Mm -hmm. That type of eraser just didn't work as well. Now you can put an ink eraser in those, but then that was too harsh. So this seems to be just a nice in between. I've got the ink eraser in it, but it's not going to damage the tooth of the paper quite like putting in an ink eraser and an electric eraser could. You can yeah. burn right through your paper with that. Yeah, and it's and it's a real small little area too. I'll have to give that a shot. I, I don't I don't know that I've really tried that one. I'll have to try that. Um but that's funny. I didn't know you were gonna mention that one. Um but the next one on my list here is uh the Tombow Mono Sand colored pencil eraser and i i love this one it's it's just really called a sand eraser but i've seen it marketed lately as a colored pencil eraser and it does work very very well for that um it has that grit in it as well and so you have to be careful obviously because you're going to uh, damage paper or you could damage your paper so put a little forethought into it and think about how many layers you have built up just test on a separate sheet and see how far down you can go, but it will get it back to that white of the paper um, with, you know, digging into the paper a little bit. You're going to score the paper just a little bit. And if that's OK with you, if it, depending on the support you're using, you know, sometimes that will work. But, yeah, that one is such a good one. And I, I know it's kind of like, the you know, the it's like a safety net. I just know, OK, I can be a little looser over here or I can uh, go a little darker than I need to or something because 
I know I've got that Tombow mono sand eraser. Uh, if anything just goes totally awry, I can get something back to the white of the paper if I need to. I'm actually, I've not tried that. And I'm really excited really about good. today's podcast. I'm being selfish in wanting to do this subject matter because you always bring up supplies that I have to go buy right <laughs> after the stream. It's like, I, we don't this, typically talk about these yeah. things, the, these different supplies that we're using. And now I'm all excited to go ahead and I've got to order one of those. I want to try that one because I love my Tombow Mono Eraser, my regular one. I use it for graphite, especially all the time. I love it. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick that up. Well, the, the cool thing about this one, since maybe you're going to um, order this one, is the last time I bought it, I bought it off of Amazon, and I bought it in this big pack. And so it came five in a pack, uh, this little value set, and uh, it was really a good price on it. But yeah, I've got probably a lifetime supply now, but <laughs> they're, they're nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the next on my list is Photoshop. And there's, there's just so many things you can do with Photoshop. And we'll put a link to this live stream that I'm going to be talking about in the show notes if you want to check it out. But I use Photoshop a lot with colored pencil. One of the problems that I have, I like to do surreal work. But one of the problems you have with surreal work, you're typically going to be working from multiple reference photos. Well, when you've got multiple reference photos, it's sometimes hard to know where you're going to position those and what's going to look better once you see them in color with the colored pencil. I mean, I, I can sketch things out in a sketchbook how I want to position things. But it's really hard when I'm not sure with colors and like the piece that I'm working on right now, I'm combining coral with a cat. And some of these pieces of coral I thought would look great. And when I see how they look up against the dark colors of the cat, it's like, nope, that can't go there. If I would have just drawn that straight onto my paper, I wouldn't know that until the work was already done and I can't easily fix that. So when I do surreal work, I used to only do that with really acrylics or oils because you can layer and paint over things if you change your mind. With colored pencil, we need to plan things out ahead of time, and that can be more difficult. So Photoshop just makes all the difference for me. I'm able to do surreal work and design it completely, know exactly where, like in this case with the coral, I know exactly where every single piece of coral is going to go. I can cut it out and move it around and reposition it and come up with these really elaborate designs that I wouldn't otherwise really be able to do successfully without. Just, I love, this is one of the best times I think in history to be an mm -hmm. artist because we've got tools yep. like this that can just really help us map out our concept and our design. And like, there were a few ideas. I was trying different backgrounds on the, the design that I'm working on. And I put one, I'm like, wait, well, maybe a space scene. And as soon as I saw it, it was like, oh no, that looks like one of those folders we got as a kid and in the eighties. <laughs> nope, we're not putting space behind that kitty. That does not look good. But I found that out before I spent yeah. the time drawing that out. And it just saved me, you know, putting that extra time with designing things in Photoshop and coming up with, even if you're not doing surreal work, let's say it's just cropping, you've got a photo and to crop that photo to see what's going to look best for the, the entire composition of the piece. That to me, Photoshop is one of probably, I would say on my entire list, one of the absolute, like, I cannot live without this for designing my work. Yeah, um, I'd have to second that. I mean, I, I don't do surreal work, but I do use Photoshop a lot. And one of the things that I love it for is doing a comparison. And, and I do this for my students as well. If they send me over their work, then I'll shoot a video critique for them. Uh, and if I have the reference, I can put it side by side and just look at those differences. But I like doing that even for myself. And I just stick it in there. And then I just move my eyes back and forth and look at the differences in my work and my reference. Another thing that I really love it for is changing the background, looking at what colors might work or what kind of texture might work in the background. Does that 
tone of the overall background? Is it going to overpower the subject matter? You know, especially if you're working on a commission piece, getting all of that work done ahead of time before you hit your project is so helpful. Yeah, I that's even like it too for thing. blurring out backgrounds, like to see what level of oh, out yeah, of focus I blur, want that background like to that be. Glossy I mean, there's blur. so yeah. many things that oh, yeah. y- you could just kind of hash out in on the computer before you ever ruin an expensive piece of paper or yeah. waste your time. Because yeah. I mean, colored yeah. pencils aren't a, a fast medium. You're going to spend a lot no. of time. You better make sure everything is positioned exactly how you want before you get started. And that is, it's just so, so helpful. Now, and there go, are free versions. There's what is it, Pixlr? I believe oh is yeah. One. There are free uh, options available for you to get started, mm-hmm. and they're not as good as Photoshop. But honestly, it's enough. But I think just to come up with design ideas. So yeah, that yeah. may be an option to to start playing around with. And if you've never used these programs before, I'll warn you right now, they're overwhelming. They have so many options. But there are so many YouTube videos of people who actually know, not like me. I I, I would say I kind of half like limp along using Photoshop because I'm not amazing at it, but it does what I need. But there's, yeah. And there are so many videos on YouTube of people who will show you through how to do stuff. So if you're just like, I don't know how to cut out my background, just type that in how to, to crop a photo or how to cut out a piece from your photo on, on Photoshop and though in YouTube and the search engine and there's tons of tutorials that'll walk you through. So you, yeah. you won't be lost forever. Well, and Adobe also has gotten a lot better about getting some explainer videos uh, prepped up and ready as well. If you go to, they're the makers of uh, Photoshop, but if you go to their website too, they've got some very simple tutorials to teach you how to do something very quickly as well. Uh, yeah, there's so much help on uh, on that program and any of the Adobe Suite uh, programs. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention also in connection with that paint.net. If you go to getpaint.net, that is a very nice lightweight um, application that you can run very quickly. And it's not near as robust as Photoshop, but it's free. If we're talking about free versions, that's a free one. GIMP is also a free version uh, of a photo editor as well that works really nicely. Okay, I, I've got to mention an oldie but goodie. Uh, this is something that I, I just cannot, I cannot get away from this paper. No matter how far I travel, I keep coming back to this paper, and that is Stonehenge paper. I love it. Uh, and it comes in, they've, they're so uh, good at just pushing the envelope in so many different directions, Legion paper, that is, uh, with even Stonehenge, but then all the other paper variety types that they offer. And with Stonehenge, you can get it in so many different colors now that I wasn't even aware of uh, until recently. They, they've got so many different colors, and you can, you can rely on uh, a texture, a surface that doesn't change very much. It's pretty reliable. But then they've also got some of the synthetic type of uh, slick papers, you know, these uh, plastic type kind of papers, uh, Legion paper, that is, and they've got so many other different papers in be- you know, in between. Um, and one thing you can do, and I'll put a link in the show notes there, but you can get the Mini Artist Pad Complete Set, and it contains 12 pads of, of a collection of the Legion Artist Pad collection, and they're 2.5 by 3.75 uh, inches. And it just gives you a nice variety of papers to work on to test you know you're not going to do a a big piece obviously on this little tiny sheet of paper but it's nice to 
just sort of see, you know, what that paper is. Like the Stonehenge Light. I've never tried that one before. I don't think I'm going to use it for colored pencil, but I might use it for, um, you know, charcoal or graphite. And then Yupo is another one in there. If you've not ever tried it before, it's a good way to figure out, you know, what would work nice on that one. Uh, they've got the Linux cotton uh, craft. I could go on and on, but I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Next on my absolute, absolute must-have list, and this product changed everything for me when working in colored pencil, is the Touch-Up Texture Titanium White Mixture from BrushandPencil.com. And you can also get that from like Blick.com sells it. I believe it's Delta Art in Canada. Uh, is it Jackson's Art Supply in the UK? I forget who it is in Australia. But this product changed everything for me because I'm able to make and paint I mean, okay, so let's back that up a little bit. I would see people using white gel pen on the work, and sometimes that looks good, but it's not archival. Where I just want that white highlight. With this product, I am able to pull out, let's say, whiskers on a cat or any any little outside edge detail when I'm doing florals, and I just want to make the edge of a rose pop, and I've got too much pigment on the paper, and more colored pencil is not sticking. This, I can go right over it. One, it adds more tooth to the paper, so now I'm able Mm -hmm. to put even more colored pencil on top of that. But two, it gives me this opaque base or, you know, brightness that I just sometimes cannot get with the pencils alone. This made all the difference for me. Now, just to be fair, I do want to mention this product is not allowed or using that combination like that, the titanium white um, powder, they do not allow that with CPSA. So if you're trying to enter one of their competitions, this isn't going to be an option that you want to go with unless you're entering under mixed media, it would be considered a mixed media. But for me, that stuff doesn't, I don't really care about that. I just want to create the best work I can with whatever supplies. And so you you want to avoid, because I always have people ask, well, can I just use acrylic paint? Can I just use a gel pen. Not if you want it to be archival. That's the thing. This is the only product where you're going to use, get that white really brightness on top of your colored pencils and have it still be archival. It's intended to go on top of colored pencil unless like those other water-based products, which you don't want to put over a wax or oil-based pencil. So that is just Seriously, that product made such a difference for me. And I just mix a small amount and I paint it on wherever I need that with a liner brush so I can get this really fine, fine detail. If it, I don't want to make it sound like that's a, I use it on every single thing. It's really for those times where I just can't get more pencil on there. I can't get the fine little teeny, teeny, tiny details. That's where, where I go to this. It, it has saved me so many times on areas where I'm just like, I really want to, you know, I want this extra detail, but I can't, I, I just wasn't careful enough leading up to this stage in the painting or drawing and I can't get more on there. This will allow me to do it. Yeah, you can draw more intuitively. And I wasn't a believer too much until I tried it on a commission piece. And I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? And um, I was so excited after I uh, used it because I made these pearls just pop. Like, wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's I'm a believer. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I saw the light. So, okay, (laughs) there's there's another uh, product. This is is getting into my new products here. So um, I've got a new one that I really enjoy. And it's called the Afmat Pencil Sharpener. You may or may not know that I really love the Derwent Superpoint Pencil Sharpener. But recently, I was looking around at pencil sharpeners. If you know me at all, you know I like to just switch things up and I like to try new products and keep pushing and trying different things and seeing what else is available. And 
I ran across this sharpener and I was a little skeptical. I didn't know if I would really like it or not, but I saw it on Amazon and I saw the long point that you could get on any pencil if you used it. It's a, a, a 6 to a 9.6 millimeter, extends it out that long, that pencil point. I'm still testing with it, but I got to say that it is at least a runner for the uh, super point that Derwent makes. There's some things that I'm, I'm still not um, you know, quite sure about because I'm still testing it, but it does create this long point. The thing that I like about it a lot is that it's electric and it uses a helical blade. And so I'm not having to sit there and use two arms to uh, sharpen my pencil like I am with the Super Point pencil sharpener. I can sit over there at, at the easel, take one hand with my fingers and stick it into that hole and create this long point that I want. I think I'm going to like it just because the convenience of that, you know, I don't like using manual sharpeners. The only reason why I do that is because they create such a nice point like the uh, Derwent Super Point and the Carl Angel 5. But this one is so far, it's been really, really nice. The problem often with some of these electric sharpeners is that they start breaking the pencil. And so far, I've not had it break any pencils. So I'm excited. And I, you know, I'm going to give it a little more mileage first before I can say conclusively that I'm going to, you know, replace the super point. But at least I am using it and I do like it and it may replace the super point. We'll see. So my new product that I am absolutely in love with right now is a ceramic, I don't think it's actually ceramic, but I've heard people refer to them as ceramic knives. This one is the Slice Craft Cutter Knife with Textured Control Grip, cuts final, okay, that's the description. Um, it, it does say it's a safety ceramic knife. It just feels plastic to me. Um, now, if you look at the reviews, I do want to, before I go into this more, if you look at the reviews on Amazon, it has terrible reviews, but that's because it doesn't really cut well for people who are trying to use it for cutting. But we're using it for colored pencils, so it works for us. I did have to file mine down. Mine had a little nugget of like this plastic that was sticking out weird that I had to file down with a nail file. It's fine now. But what I'm using this for, it looks like a a small exacto knife, but I'm using it to pull out details. Now, I don't use it to the point where I'm scraping the paper back to white. I know some people do that for me because I blend with OMS. It doesn't really work that well. But what I've noticed is, especially if I'm using my wax-based pencil, so like the Caran Luminance in my case, when I've got that a lot of pigment down, I can take this ceramic blade and pull out little like hair marks so I can get this tiny, tiny detail. Again, not pulling it back to white, but it lightens it from what that base color was. So it's kind of like working on a scratch board. I can get these little, little details so well with this, just just subtle. They're again, not super high contrast because I'm not pulling the paper back to white. When I've used it enough that I got the paper back to white, I was actually starting to damage the paper, which is not what I want to do. But I can use it to just lift a bit of that pigment off on these fine little lines, which perfect for hair, fur, fish scales. Um, when I'm drawing coral a lot lately, I can get these little bits of detail. Again, subtle detail because not going back to white, but it's amazing. And it's this right now, I can't even imagine going back to not having this item. It is so, so helpful for those little, little bits, little, little edges that I want to be a bit sharper. I may have to try that. I, I don't know. That that sounds interesting. I used a Zacto knife uh, in the past a couple of times, but this sounds like yeah, it's a little bit different. I didn't have good luck different. with the Zacto. Yeah, the X-Acto knife to me was just too harsh and I, it was yeah. too easy to damage my paper. This is a lot softer. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I still have to be controlled with it because, again, I'm not trying to scrape the paper back to white, which you can do with this, but not to the extent that you accidentally have it happen with an X-Acto knife. I've mm-hmm. been really happy. And I've only been using it for a very, very short time. And by short time, I mean one day. But already, yeah. I'm just like, this is the most amazing I mean, I mean, this really makes a big difference for for some of these little details that I want to pull back out. That's cool. I like the concept because with you know an, an eraser, obviously we know you're pressing and pushing pigment and and material down into the fibers of the paper. You don't want to do that. Lifting is uh, the option that we as artists use, and then the other thing that we do, and this is what this will accomplish, is scraping something off um, instead of pushing it down. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just watch. If you look at the reviews on Amazon, they look terrible, but that's because people are not, you know, they're yeah, using, using it for a different it purpose. For, for that purpose. Yeah. I'm sure cucumbers it work or well. something. <laughs> but for us, that's perfect. We don't want it to actually right. cut. So it's really good for us. Uh, okay. So my last one and the, the one that I've started using fairly recently and that I just didn't think would be that big a deal when I got it. But I tell you what, it is so, so nice. Um, it's, I guess it's called just this uh, adjustable holder clip, uh, document holder or artist uh, canvas holder clamp. I've heard it. I've, I've seen now online it called a lot of different things, but it's got a clamp on one side and then it's this adjustable little arm where you can just sort of swing it, adjust it in any which way possible. Uh, I mean, it's got a rotation of any rotation you want. I mean, you can go in any any direction, any degree within that direction that you want. And sometimes I've used clamps in the past and you just can't get the reference photo to sit the way that you want. And with this, you can adjust it any way you want. And you can even have it up above your easel or your board or your table, wherever you you are working. And it'll clamp onto anything and then you can adjust the little the other portion the other end of it is another clamp and it'll hold your reference i mean this thing is amazing and they're very inexpensive so i don't know why i didn't know about this a long time ago i need to look into that that sounds pretty cool all right so maybe you've thought of something and you'd love to add to this list you can always comment in the show notes sharpenedartist.com slash podcast reach out to us anytime podcast at sharpenedartist.com and this is a weekly show we'll talk to you again next week Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.